You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse, Earful of Dirt is the only podcast dedicated to Major League Rugby. Now, coming to you live from across the United States, here's your hosts. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. I'm Corey Munson, uh, filling in for Aaron Castro tonight, who's got the night off. Uh, coming to you live from Iowa, I've got our regular guests, as always. we got uh, Victor over in New York, Josh hanging out in Denver, and our favorite pinch hitter, we got Liam up in Vermont. How's it Woo. going, guys? Woo, awesome. Going good. Good to hear. So for those of you who are new to the podcast, we do this every single Monday night. We're live on YouTube here, and we discuss news and rumors from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, and it's a chance to discuss the issues, hear from league and team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. So with all that in mind, Victor, what we got going on tonight, my friend? Well, guys, we're going to be talking about a great night that happened last Saturday in Glendale, Colorado, in the semifinals of the Major League Rugby Championship, uh, with Seattle Seawolves taking down hapless San Diego Legion and the home team Raptors. I, I thought they were hapless, personally, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll talk about that earlier. We'll, 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 we'll get into that. We'll get into that. It's, it's you know, it's all propaganda type of wording. I was just, you know, I mean, it's okay. It just, it's, it's, you know, that, the reaction you used, that's that's what I want out of the people listening. Victor, hapless, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? No, no, but that was the point. Uh, so, again, that, and then you get the home team, the Raptors, finishing well at home versus the Warriors. Of course, we got a couple of um, MLR 20, uh, 2019 updates. And a couple more. So with that, Josh, let me pass the word to you. So uh, me and Aaron both went to the semifinals. Um, I live in Colorado, so that was good for me. Aaron travels. Uh, Aaron will also be in San Diego this coming weekend for the final. Aaron had the following to say about his trip. When it comes to Rugby Town USA, it was an amazing experience. My first trip to Glendale to see what had been the marcation point for MLR that started over 10 years ago. As a facility, it's wonderful. The intensity of the matches was extremely high. Um, the Seattle-San Diego match felt a bit strange, but the intensity of it and how Seattle stayed balanced in the first half, stopping the Legion from converting possessions inside their 22-meter line. For the Raptors, they led wire they led wire to wire, even though you thought maybe Aaron had the chance to have long conversations with Kimbo Kerr and Matt Hawkins, and he also met the Skinner family with the Seawolves. He said they're great people. Um, his experience continues to think that ML, make him think that MLR will succeed as long as the people who care about rugby are willing to back it financially. The Glendale events team is top-notch, and he'll see you in San Diego. Um, as for my point of view, considering it's the only MLR stadium I've been to, it's a great facility. It is definitely top-notch. It isn't called Rugby Town USA for nothing. Um, it's a great atmosphere for both games. Um, the... Jumbotron does help for TMO especially. Um, it was nice to see the other teams just sit around and interact with the fans. Um, and then the fans enjoyed themselves, and most fans had their own set of in-game traditions for each team. It was a good time all in all for me. So That sounds like a sp- pretty special weekend. And this was the semifinals, I'll remind everybody. So 
first ever semifinals in the first ever season of Major League Rugby. Um, So before we get into the actual matches, guys, um, I guess I I just kind of thought of a question I just want to throw out to you. One uh, one of the only complaints I heard uh, consistently over the weekend was some frustration that MLR decided to just designate locations for these games instead of following who you know who won and who was in what position within the league. What did you guys uh, think of that? Those concerns, like uh, should a game sh- have been played in Seattle instead of uh, both of them in Glendale? Okay, let me take the word first. So. The reasoning as to why that was done, and I think Aaron talked about it uh, in the last episode, is, um, is is the amount of seating for e- for those two uh, facilities, both Fitted Park and um, Toro Stadium. Toro Stadium being the biggest one in terms of size, and Fitted Park, well, it's Fitted Park. And, and Josh just mentioned that as a, as one of the, I mean, he, he didn't, hasn't been in too many other facilities, but top notch nonetheless. So really, it's it's because it's ease of access, as well as the amount of people they can fit. But um, but I mean personally, yeah, I would have personally been better up in Starfire. But um, when you compare Starfire with our stadium, you know, I I understand. But I assume that as time goes on, things like that are going to change. This is probably going to be just in this early seasons are going to have things like this. But again, as time goes on, I'm sure this will be like any other league where depending on your positioning in the ladder uh, you may have a home game or not so it really all depends yeah those are definitely some good points um you know for for the reasons that victor stated uh especially that uh infinity park has the seating and it has the capacity to host a large amount of people and i think mlr really wanted to just put as many butts in as many seats as possible uh considering this playoff weekend is definitely expected to bring a lot more revenue than you know, some certain points of the season have thus far. However, I think the one thing that MLR fans really missed out on, on them designating that one single location, uh, is the potential home field advantages that could have been had by teams like Utah, Seattle, or San Diego had the games been chosen to uh, be played there. Because as we know, San Diego has some of the best fans, you know, in the league. They're always out there. What are they called now? The cohort, the San Diego cohort? Yeah, yeah. Really or the, so, you know the, the the Legion of Pigeon, if you will, the the, the Pigeon Coop, something like that. Either way, there's there there are some really really good fans, and I think they could have made a difference in that really close game. Or I don't want to say close game with Seattle, especially considering the last uh, 20 minutes of it. But it was a competitive game nonetheless, and I think it would have been really cool to see how the uh, how the Seattle faithful would have reacted versus the uh, the San Diego cohort had it been in one of their home stadiums. Because I think you could tell the stadium wasn't exactly entirely full uh, when that game was going on. You could tell it was filling up gradually as it as the Glendale game got closer and closer to coming uh, to beginning. I will say it felt like uh, the Seattle fans traveled maybe a little better than the San Diego fans. Uh, I, I think I did see a lot of... Uh, blue and green during the match uh, up in the stands and definitely online before the match uh, they were well represented as well so that's interesting can, can we talk about how ugly the Glendale Raptors uniforms are like those mm-hmm. banana yellow Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I don't think this has been mentioned enough throughout the season but I really like the Glendale Raptors uniforms uh, when they were playing in the um, what was it, the ARC the, the, the American Rugby Championship last season against the Huns and the Utah Selects 
Those were some classy-ass uniforms, but now they got these line stuff on them. They got this weird coloration of yellow, and I don't know. I, I, I just wasn't a dig. I wasn't digging it this season. Now, of those two, they have my, my personally my favorite is the away kid because at least he has one color and one set of like stripes instead of the the home one, which is those weird stripes. And then on the side, you have that other design. It looks really strange. Also, uh, it wasn't the ARC. It was the Major Rugby Championship, that thing that they played before the start of the season, but whatever. Mm -hmm. That's all that will be said on the huh? uniforms. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Fantastic. Well, uh, all right. Let's go ahead and jump on into the matches themselves. So uh, the afternoon was led off by uh, Seattle facing down San Diego, and the final score there was 38-24 uh, in Se uh, Seattle's favor. So uh, the number two team, seeded team, did take that match. Uh, Josh, what would you think of it? Uh, it was it was actually really close for the majority of the match until San Diego just decided to um, just fall apart. Um, they were kind of hard, hard done by the two yellow cards, almost back to back with, uh, Alec Barton and C.O.C. Mahoney. Um, Seattle won the scrums and San Diego won the lineouts, which I remember correctly was the case from their first meeting. Um, the Seawolves definitely put to rest any preseason questions any of us had. And then, um, actually coming into this game in the last couple of weeks of the season, San Diego had actually done really well to get by on um, get by with the injuries they've had to them. Um, I know they've actually, I think they really missed Dolph Botha in this game. And uh, I think he would have helped them in the scrum. Victor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that. I started to dance after stuff for whatever reason. Um, Victor, yeah, do you just have like music playing in your head 24 seven? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know I am Hispanic, so so yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Good, good. No, 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 dude. You should have done the Macarena. I would have been happier. But that, that that's cool. That's cool. That's whatever. <laughs> nah, nah. That's, what, what were the nineties like? Yo, dude. Seriously, <laughs> that was a good decade. It, it was an amazing time where unicorns walked the earth and everyone was on drugs and happy. Pretty much. Or flannel. It, so it, was like flannel. The, it, it, it was like the 70s, but better. But anyways, going back to rugby. So again, going back to the, the whole hapless comment at the at the beginning of the of the show. So yeah, the game was was quite close, obviously, at the, at the beginning of the game. Um 10-10 by halftime. But one once the uh, the Legion dropped those two con consecutive yellow cards, that's it. The game was open to to for Seattle to do whatever they did, and they won the game against 38-24. Um, I th personally think it's San Diego sh it should have won that match, but um, but unfortunately, yellow cards are yellow cards, and when you get to two of them consecutively, and you only have thirteen players instead of your fifteen, obviously, the opposition will find holes in your in your defense, which are easily easily to go through and score and whatever. So. This might happen, unfortunately, but and of course, a credit to to see Wolves play quite well. Um, I mean, again, I would have rather seen Legion one, but that's what it is. Yeah, that they torqued it up for sure. They, you know, they torqued it up to ten. 
Level ten torque. So yeah, go, yeah, go ahead. Whoever wants to take the word from me. Uh, I think it's Josh who's. No, I think you're up, Liam. What do you think of the match? Oh well, I'll be goddamned. I'm I'm just misreading the uh, the layout. But anyway, this was my match of the week, as uh, as you guys, if you read the layout, have uh, probably saw. Um, and going back to what Victor said, I believe one of the main reasons that San Diego saw themselves fall in this match was largely to do with those two yellow cards. Uh, throughout the season, we've seen that San Diego is a team that when they dominate their opponents, they're doing it uh, in terms of their passing out on the wing. They have people like Ryan Matias, uh, Sima like, uh, coming out there. Uh, Peterson had himself a game, especially with the ball in hand. We saw a couple instances where you know he was definitely a game-breaking presence right, right out there on that pitch. Unfortunately, when you take two people off that pitch, that really messes with the dynamic of how they're able to recycle the ball in and out. And I think when you have something like the the dreaded seawall crashing down upon you, you know, you're obviously going to get flustered and you're not going to be able to execute your game plan the way that you want to. So I think that was a very large factor, like Victor said, in terms of how this game uh, turned out. Now, that being said, I don't think you can downplay the fact that Seattle had some you know, it's had some game-breaking players of their own really step up. Uh, in particular, I really think an underrated uh, player for Seattle this season and, and for the MLR in general has been Peter Tiberio. The guy has game-breaking speed, and whenever he touches the ball, something he does something that makes the announcer go, oh, my God, this is amazing, Peter Tiberio. Uh, if, I think if you guys recalled, uh, just on Saturday night, he had that pick five uh, right uh, I can't. I can't remember who it was off San Diego. Um, Dylan Osley. Osberger, you said it was Dylan Odsley. Dylan Odsley, yeah. So yeah, he he got that pick five off Dylan Odsley and just took it to the house. I think that's the kind of uh, presence and that's the kind of uh, potential that he brings to every single game. And he was honestly a close pick for me to uh, be the uh, the player of the week, but unfortunately, his uh, you know, his his lack of points put up kind of did it for me. Very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I my only thought on the on the weekend was just or on the Seattle uh, San Diego game was that good for Seattle. They uh, I, I think, Josh, you said it earlier um, that they've really put to bed any questions folks had. And yeah, I think San Diego is really surging. I think they were they came on strong at the right time, but apparently they just don't travel great um, because most of their wins or maybe all their wins have come at home. They're undefeated uh, at home, I'm pretty sure. They are undefeated at home. I know that for sure, um, as are the Raptors. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. And I maybe uh, stamina uh, may have had something to do with it. Maybe just well, the fact that they have had so many lineup changes throughout the season um, and they never really gelled as a team. So when it comes down to that, you know, the last 20 there, they just – for some reason, something wasn't clicking correctly. So in my opinion, as as consistent and as good as Seattle is, and Seattle showed up and Seattle played a, a very well-put-together game, San Diego lost this game as opposed to Seattle, you know. Mm-hmm. Se- Seattle won it because they're good. San Diego, But San Diego lost it because they can be good, but they weren't for 20 minutes. And I think we see a really similar kind of situation with the Houston Sabercats in that respect where Houston, if you look at their point differential, it really stands out to you that they were able to score a lot of points early on in their matches, but they could just never finish in that final 40 or even 20 minutes, just like San Diego. Um, I think the main difference in terms of 
you know, how their records turned out, uh, Houston being one and seven and uh, San Diego ending the season at five and three is I think kind of like I said, San Diego had a much uh, had much more potential for big plays, especially with uh, with their wings, uh, recycling it and getting the and getting the ball down the line the way they did. Whereas I think Houston uh, turned out they played a little bit too conservatively throughout the season. So while they had people like Joshua BP and uh, people like Malachi Esdale who could break open the game with their runs, they didn't really get it get the ball into those play into the hands of those playmakers as much as they should have. Whereas C- I think San Diego, they had a lot of these kind of fringe eagle players as we like to call them, and I think that was the whole point of their uh, their offensive attacking scheme was to get that ball into the hands of their playmakers as much as they could. Uh, and I think that, you know, that was the main difference in terms of how their records turned out. But again, they, a lot of the same problems, especially in the closing minutes of the game. Absolutely. Any final thoughts on this match before we move on, fellas? Joe Peterson. Nope. Dust in the wind. You can't Peterson's use, good. I like him. It's, it's a shame San Diego couldn't get him in previously. Also, San Diego, you can't use your centers as flankers. I realize you had to, but you can't. <laughs> Fair enough. So that was the first match of the day, and it was a doubleheader uh, at Infinity uh, Infinity Park there. So uh, that followed up the evening. Uh, that was the number two versus number three seeds. And then the number one seed Raptors took on the number four seed Utah Warriors. And as would be expected with a one versus four, it turned out uh, Glendale took that one 34-21. So Liam, how about you lead us off on some thoughts on this match? Well... The result of this game was kind of to be expected, and honestly, I, I don't I don't think there was anybody out there in the rugby universe that was predicting a real a realistic upset by Utah. Uh, however, I I am at least happy that Utah was able to crack the twenty mark. Uh, in in terms of what really lost them this game, and again, this this wasn't a case of San Diego losing the game more than Seattle won. I mean, Glendale they fucking won this game. Don't get me wrong. However, I. What Seattle's main, uh, what sorry, what Utah's main problems were was was uh, was essentially what their problem has been all season was they don't have a consistent offensive attack in terms of recycling and passing the ball. They re- they rely on some pretty uh, conservative methods in terms of slamming up the middle with their forwards, which it, it definitely works. And when you have people like Paul Lasique who he can just give the short ball to when he gains like five or six meters every single time. However, when you have people like Lauti and uh, uh, and Don Potty like out, out there in the back. I don't understand why you're not getting them the ball as much as they possibly can because it just seemed like they were getting the ball whenever stuff was starting to break down. There was no uh, there, there, there was no deliberate action to, to make sure that they were getting involved in the game plan. And I think Glendale was able to respond to that by just keeping a solid defense and allowing their wings to do what they do best, which is kind of you know which is break beyond the initial defensive line. Uh, in this case, it was Utah. And, you know, Dave Williams' crew just had had their way with Utah on this one, and I'm not surprised. Beautiful. Well, guys, continuing on from uh, what um, William was talking about, uh, but specifically talking about the the, the the Raptors, great game, started really well. Um, by uh, halftime, it, the score was already 21-7, and that seven actually came uh, lucky for, for Utah, a courtesy of a try from Tonal Laoti that ended up scoring uh, before the end of the half. And again, the score was, uh, no, sorry, no, 21, 22, 7. And, and yeah, from there on, yeah, they, they, kept go- they kept going. Of course, uh, Utah did 
Surf came back to make the that score uh, put the score closer 24-21 by the end. Um, Mika Kruse, that kid, my goodness, what a stud! Uh, right. Was in almost in every tackle, helped out uh, uh, passing was well. Um, that pass to Sam Fig for him to score. Dang it, that kid. I- seriously. Honestly, um, Mika Cruze was has been one of the best surprises of Major League Rugby this season. At, at only 19 years old, I think we're definitely looking at somebody who's going to be a future Eagle. And not just that, but he's going to be an Eagle for a very long time. He already possesses the footwork and the speed necessary to actually compete at the, you know, compete at an 80-minute level and compete at that the, compete for those 80 minutes at an elite level. Uh, you know, I really, really think that, like. He, Glendale is going to be able to hang their hat on him in the future, as long as a European club doesn't poach him, because that would that would really suck, you know. Well, they already got they already got two players poached, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, stay I, away from Anko is all I'm asking. I think I actually think Carly Davidson has a chance. He, yeah, he might be small, but I think he has a a very good shot at being an Eagles winger. Uh, he had a he. Even though he scored, this was actually a quiet game from Harley, all in all. Um, it was the Raptors match from whistle to whistle, um, and they, Glendale was able to capitalize on Utah's mistakes. Um, Aaron actually mentioned this over the weekend. Is um, Utah's game plan is get the ball to either Paul Wasike or Fetu Vanicolo and just let them run. Yeah, it's, it's, they're one they're one trick ponies, and then they, then they let like you know uh, Potty and Lauti just kind of finish it up with these you know big game breaking runs just to get some points. And it, it was actually kind of it was one, another point he brought up is that when Paul left for Eagles duty, you could actually see some sort of offense from Utah because they were forced to have an offense. They couldn't just give it to Fetu the whole game. Um, another thing I noticed from this past weekend's matches. And I watched it back on the uh, the recording I made of it, so I could write the article. Um, Utah just played in an unsustainable pace in the first half, and they didn't have much to show for it. Yeah, they had their moments, but they kept shooting themselves in the foot. Well, I've noticed that actually a lot in the league this year, and not just from the Utah Warriors, but from multiple teams. Is they try to bring such a frantic pace in the beginning of the match. And it kind of sets them up just for failure in the second, whereas I feel like the team that remains, you know, paced in the first half and is able to save some save some fuel for the second tends to come out on top more often than not. Unless you're the Glendale Raptors who just puts up 20 frickin' points in each half because, you know, that's just a thing. Yeah. Well, and once again, I think you're seeing just consistent consistency in lineup. Uh you know, in spite of some changes during the test window, uh, Glendale is putting up, when they're at full strength, they're putting up basically the same squad every week. And they play very, very well together. They know where each other are. They know where they need to be to make uh, the plays. And I'm just consistently impressed with them as a team and as an organization. They, right now, look like a championship team. They really do. And you know what? Uh, Seattle could surprise us. We'll talk a little more about that uh, later on in the show, but I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll just talk. We'll we'll save that for a little bit. But uh, I, I I don't think we're going to be surprised by the outcome of the championship. We'll save that. Well, somebody's home. 
was going to say, too. <laughs> yeah, no, sorry. I should turn that mic off. <laughs> I was going to say, dang it. That was so, so loud. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Evan, everybody heard you coming home. <laughs> no. Hi, Evan. <laughs> they say hi. <laughs> so, uh, Liam, you're going to talk us through some uh, some players here. Players in a play of the week. What do you th- what are you thinking? Well, so for my MLR player of the week, I went with the uh, with the man of the match from the Utah Glendale game, Sam Fig. I think anybody who was watching that game within the first ten minutes, he put up let's call it one and a half tries because I think that you know that although that only the first try counted, that second try was taken away due to penalty. I think he put in a whole lot of effort, but more importantly, he set the tone early in that match to make sure that Glendale was kind of sending a message saying this is our home turf and we're going to be coming out fast. Not only that, I think whenever he, uh, whenever Fig was able to get the ball in the trenches, he was pretty effective. He was able to find the gaps at a consistent rate. Um, and, and honestly, and he didn't take too many chances with keeping the ball. He got the offloads when he needed and he went to the ground and trusted his teammates to ruck over when it was needed. Overall, just a really well-rounded performance, and I thought uh, Mika uh, Mika Cruze wasn't too far behind. But uh, like I said, it was it was his lack of points that he put up that maybe choose Fig uh, over him. Excellent. And mm-hmm. then uh, also, I think you did the the justice of uh, finding a play of the week. Yep, the MLR play of the week. We already touched on this earlier. Was Peter Tiberio sixty-plus meter pick five? I'm gonna try to. Start making that a pretty common expression whenever that happens. Uh, you know, he it still doesn't sound right. Well, get over it. But <laughs> but either way, um, I I believe they had to go to the to the video review uh, to make sure that it wasn't offsides. But if you watch the video review, um, no, he was pretty onsides when he when he made that play. He was able to kind of time. Uh, he was able to time the, uh, at what point the pass was coming in, and he was able to hit the gap at just the right point to kind of take it to the house. And uh, luckily, uh, you know, luckily for him, San Diego had no help at the next level to stop him. And his speed, I, I can't, I can't say enough about it because all, all season he's been, he's been turning the Jets on like in every single game at least one or two points, and it makes the announcers go crazy. And I love listening to Australian accents when they're excited. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. You can call me a homer all you want, but I still think Davies Davies try was better. Oh, oh, yo, can we talk about how fast Davies is? Oh, my I, gosh, right? It was comical the, how fast his legs were moving. Like, you know, like Tiberio, he's just got these long-ass strides that, you know, that get, that gets him there in five or six fucking steps. I know the feeling. But Sean Davies was just a power hamster or something like, something like that. He, the way he was moving his thighs, it was it was entertaining to watch. And he's not the youngest of guys either. There's always something about this this smallest player on the field that he has something to prove. Like it's, 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 it always happens. Drum maps for you. They're they're exactly. angry little men. They're, they're they're like the entire Star Wars fan base, just angry and small little. <laughs> My God, you tell me. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, um. Yeah, Josh, you pointed out that uh, Davies is 29. So yeah. So so, so not mad old, but. You know, well, when he, he's not, not a spring of some chickens. Yeah, yeah, he's playing with Mika Cruze, so. Yeah, and so he, uh, that, Will, Will McGee is twenty six, I believe. Uh, you know, so that's another superstar right there. So. Yeah, that's interesting. No, that that run though, that was fantastic, and I think he found speed that I literally didn't know he had. I, I'd never seen a move like that. 
Yeah. Uh, however, however, I think I had to put the Tiberio try over Davies just because of the way he was able to time that pass and hit the gap. I think that took a lot of situational awareness that you know displays a really high rugby IQ. Davies was definitely more athleticism, and not to say that it didn't display good field awareness, but I just thought Tiberio's was just out of nowhere champagne rugby, and mm. it was fucking tits, yeah. So, so I, I got one last question. Sorry, Corey. You're right. Did you happen to see the TJ Perinara try this weekend? Oh, I did. Remind me. Say, uh, let me find it real quick. Victor, would you? which one would you say is better? Oh, dude. <laughs> Of those, of the, dude, you make it really hard for me. You know, but you know what? Is it? It's, okay, f- for those of you that don't know, I'm I'm explaining it. So, Perinara, he's a New Zealander player. He plays for the All Blacks, specifically plays for for the Hurricanes in Super Rugby. So the Hurricanes were playing. The remind me, Josh. The Brumbies. Thank you, the Brumbies. They're playing the Brumbies. They're from uh, Canberra, Canberra of Australia. And there was, okay, there was a line out. Line out comes in. Uh, the, the jumper co- uh, comes, throws the ball to his um, scrum half, I believe. Scrum half passes the ball. So as he passes the ball, a Perinara comes running, grabs the ball in the air, and lands in the ingle and scores. So people have been calling that a Superman try. And and, and it, it really looks like it. It looks. It just looks really cool. He comes and he comes so quick too. It's just like you you blink and you miss him. It just goes boom boom and scores. Victor, I just want to say it, it was really funny because as I was watching it, as like I was as I was watching the try, you were like narrating it perfectly, like synced up. What was going on? It was <laughs> dude, how the heck he knows? You need to have a Netflix series where you just narrate stuff because I think it would be hilarious. <laughs> oh, that would be great. Well, new podcast idea. Yo, we need to write that down, Corey. Absolutely. <laughs> this is Netflix and Greenlit. What's your idea? fantastic so i think this is a good opportunity for us to kind of talk about what our favorite match of the week was uh liam what you got man um so as i've said a couple times uh, already my match of the week was definitely uh the san diego versus seattle game i just thought it was a great uh great display of uh you know of ball in hand and a passing, which are my two favorite aspects uh, of rugby. Definitely some great footwork all around by uh, by people hitting the gaps. Um, obviously, I, I just think the Glendale-Utah game was to be expected. And while there was some great displays of athleticism, you know, as always from between those teams, I just think there was more – there was less – there was less of the fact that you knew who was going to win in this game. You know, it wasn't obvious that Seattle was going to take it until like about the last, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but you know, up until that point, it was a rugby game all the way through. Uh, Victor. Yep. So then, um, same Seattle, San Diego. I mean, that, 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 that match, um, I mean, even what happened at the end with the, with the yellow cards and everything, um, yeah, I think I find it more more memorable, memorable excuse me, than the the Raptors uh, Utah match. Probably because it was that close until what happened. I think a minute, I want to say minute fifty eight, sixty almost. So because those last twenty minutes, it was all it, it, it was all Seattle. But yeah, definitely my match of the week. Yeah, I think we all kind of knew going in that Glendale was going to win, but like. Um... 
while Seattle San Diego wasn't a toss up, it kind of was. Um, San Diego had shown improvement, and um, it was close. And like you guys said, till the last 10, 15 minutes. So yeah, my match of the week as well. And I'm right there with you. I I got nothing to add. So uh, with that in mind, let's go ahead and uh, do a quick review of our picks from last week. So I'll I'll lead us off um, with Aaron's. So Aaron uh, had originally projected uh, San Diego to win by three, and I had Seattle by three. So we were kind of opposite on that one. And it did turn out that uh, we have uh, 14. Yeah, Seattle won by 14. So... Josh, what'd you have for the San Diego Seattle? I had San Diego by five. Thank you. Yeah, I had Seattle by twelve. So there so you go. I was just oh by two, yeah. Yeah, you were the closest on that one. Yeah, uh, and, and then it looks like we all picked Raptors to win, which they did against Utah. Uh Aaron said that they were gonna go by seven, and I said they were gonna go by twenty. So somewhere in between there, it looks like they one thirty-four twenty-one, so that would be thirteen points. Uh, thirteen point difference. So, uh, Josh, what'd you have for that one? I had Glendale by ten, and, and I had them. Yeah, I had them by fourteen, so I was off by one. So, Victor, you're pretty much killing it. Off by two on uh, Seattle San Diego, and off by one on Glendale. I. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you gonna skip San Diego and just go straight to Vegas or what? Here, man. Uh, I, I, I don't know because I, I don't I, I don't trust gambling. So. Well, he, so. he shouldn't go to Vegas because you know he'll he'll go up to he'll go up to a slot machine, pull the lever, nothing will come out. Some old lady goes up to the one directly to the right of him, pulls the lever, jackpot. He was off by one. Seriously, so, there you, there you so go. That, so off by one. So you're, you're saying if he goes, he needs to play a whole row of slots. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Or it might be, you know, he might be one row off. It's it's it, it's hard <laughs> to work out that black swan effect right there. Well, I, I can I mean Vegas is too far. I can always go to uh, the casino up in Queens or or Atlantic City up in in, in New Jersey. Fair yeah, point. there's that casino in Yonkers too. I'm pretty sure, isn't there? Oh yeah, you're right. That's that one. In yeah, Yonkers. I was I was like right across the street from there during the uh, during the Rooney match. That was dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, dude. No, you you, you were crap face. <laughs> we're told you were there. So yeah, allegedly. Oh, allegedly. allegedly. God Almighty! Let me tell you, this this, yeah, this ask, one. Ban- ask Anthony Perry if I, I was there, <laughs> dude. Oh, shout-outs to Anthony. Speaking yeah. of which, hopefully he's listening to this. All right, so that leads us to the last game of the season, the freaking championship, guys. Ooh, I mean, holy cow! We've had a whole season of MLR. How'd this happen? Seriously, right? Oh, so we got, we got number one versus number two. It's going to be Glendale versus Seattle. The game's being played at Torero Stadium in San Diego. So uh, it's not home for either of them. Actually, uh, yeah, I suppose maybe a little closer for Seattle, but it's not exactly down the road from either place. So uh, let's lead you off. Josh, tell me who you got for this game. I got Glendale by five. Um, I realized it was rainy weather when they played, and then Glendale – kind of crushed them at home, but I think Seattle's going to step up a little. Victor? 
Okay, guys, because everyone else is going Raptors, someone has to go against the grain, and it has to be the Dominican. It just has to be. So I'm going to go for Seattle, Seawolves, winning by 12 points. I don't care if I'm wrong, but someone has to go against the Raptors. And again, it has to be the Dominican. So again, I got (laughs) to give it to Seattle. Hopefully I'm wrong. And it goes to the Raptors because I'd rather have the Raptors win. But no, I'm going to go for Seattle because if they do win... Next week, I'm going to gloat about it. <laughs> Liam, what you got, man? Uh, I got Glendale by 14. Um, I, I think it's going to be a much closer game, however, than that score might indicate. Uh, but I think this is going to be one of those situations where Glendale uh, might be ahead by seven for the you know the last 20 minutes of the match, and then they're just going to pull away with one final try and seal the victory. But I, I don't see any way that Dave Williams is going to let his uh, – that, that is going to let his squad out of here without a victory. I mean, like we've all been saying for months now, this is this has been Glendale's season to lose all along. Absolutely, and I'm right there with you. I'm saying Glendale by seven because I do think that uh, Seattle is not going to let this one pass, this opportunity pass him by. So I think it's going to come down to the end. I think it's going to be a late try that's going to win it. But I think at the end of the day, Glendale's going to find a way to win because that's what they've done basically all season except for one anomaly in San Diego, which, okay, they're going back to San Diego, but they're not up against the Legion this time. So, Plus, I mean, I mentioned this on on the Reddit thread when we were talking about this. Um, You know, they've had Seattle's number. They've beat them twice already this season. And you could argue, well, it's hard to beat a team three times in a row, but if you're better than the other team, you're better than the other team. I mean, Ohio State's beat uh, my University of Iowa Hawkeyes uh, a lot in a row. And it's because they're a better team So uh, in football. So it just happens. Yeah, I'm a BC Eagles fan, so I, d- I don't like to talk about college football too much. <laughs> That's all we got here, man. We got to talk about yeah. what we got. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that uh, pretty much does this for uh, review and preview. So mm-hmm. let's get some fun stuff if you guys are good with it. I've got a uh, yeah. week for you. And uh, this one's going to come from uh, Philly one, Mac. One of my favorite uh, scrum halves, anyway. Uh, scrum half extraordinaire slash coach Phil Mack up at Seattle. And uh, he's talking a little bit about uh, the game and uh, what's coming up. He said, Championship bound with the Seattle Seawolves. One more week of hard work to go. Big thanks to Matt Hawkins. And the SD Legion for another tough game. Always a huge challenge playing you guys. Hashtag MLR Championship. Hashtag Crunch Time. And then what I really liked was that Matt came back. um, Matt with San Diego came back and said, Great to compete the way we did. Two hard-fought matches this season. Looking forward to many more against you guys. All the very best for the championship. We look forward to hosting you this weekend in San Diego. And I, what I love, I think, more than anything else is just the reminder of, you know, the gentleman spirit that comes with this game. These guys, you know, will go out for uh, 80 minutes and just beat on each other. And then they'll pat each other in the back and go have a meal and a drink if there's time afterwards. And, you know, I just feel like for the most part, they genuinely enjoy each other's company both on and off the field off on and off the pitch so 
I just I don't know. I, I love that interaction. It's just a quick little glimpse of of how how great these these folks are, and you know, reminder of what's great about rugby. So that's why I picked it for my uh, tweet of the week. So, well, it was a dandy tweet of the week. Yeah, there's some feel good shit for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, Victor. Let's talk some transactions. What happened? Uh, we had a new player on the field for San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I briefly mentioned him, uh, which was uh, Joe Peterson, who was um, playing for the Legion. Uh, his first and ho- hopefully not last match with the Legion, depending if he comes back in 2019. Well, in any case, he's a South African player, and he, he played fullback in the game, and he's a, I guess fullback is, is a main position uh, for the Sharks in Super Rugby and for the Kamaichi Sea Waves in the top challenge league, which is second division uh, Japanese rugby. So, again, I welcome to, to San Diego, uh, Joe. Hopefully we'll see you in 2019. And another, uh, well, not really, well, I guess a former player, um, James English, uh, James English, excuse me, uh, who's a former English international, I believe, he's from England, uh, was, has been named general manager of Rugby United New York. Uh, so he uh, played and studied for the University of Southampton before returning to his native London to serve as the head of rugby and long-term athlete development at uh, especially sports college, Triple uh, CS in London, uh, while he played at the national uh, league level uh, for, uh, I believe, collegiate rugby, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no, actually, national league, I believe, there's um, a third division English league. I take that back. Uh, English then uh, relocated to Dublin, Ireland uh, to teach and coach rugby at the famous Black Rock College. Uh, Some of you may know Black Rock because we have quite a number of uh, American-born and Irish-born American players. Most important of all of them, probably, Adrian McGinty. His father was the the principal or the, um, how do they call them, the something master. I forgot the word. Headmaster. Headmaster. Thank you. Nothing. And and that was when Blackrock was playing, and I believe they still are playing at the All Ireland League. And since moving to the states, English has led rugby uh, and programs of development at the executive director for and and it was excuse me the executive director uh, for rugby uh, Pennsylvania. He also coached with Monroe College, which is in in the Bronx, uh, Yale University's uh, men's rugby team, Atabus, out of Seattle. And the Empire GU All Starts, which is a conglomeration of, of teams in the Empire Geographical Union, which New York State is is, is located on, specifically the southern, and actually the whole of New York State, both North and South. Now, more recently in 2017, he coached a New York Rugby Club, specifically the women's division, uh, to a women's Premier League national championship, and currently works as a coach of the USA Under 20s Women's. A team, the Junior All Americans, ladies, and yeah, those are the our two transactions: a player and a general manager coming for 2019. Well, it's good to see uh, once again New York really uh, establish themselves, bringing in some quality staff for that back office and uh, coach general management staff. Um, I'm curious, what this is just my my lack of knowledge speaking here. So. What is the role of a general manager compared to the role of a coach? It's probably it's probably what it's, Matt Hawk it's Matt Hawkins' role basically, I believe. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong. Well, 
for, so just kind of going off what I know about the NFL and kind of what I've heard about what Theory Dopin's job down is down in Austin. Uh, it's a it's a lot of the financial side about I, as we know there's there's three tiers of contracts with the within the MLR I believe it's sort of kind of uh, you know figuring out what your club's plan is in terms of signing players in terms of bringing in talent um, you know especially when you have somebody like Thierry Dauphin down in Austin you see a lot of French uh, players and a French coach coming in uh, because you know because Thierry Dod you know attracts those sort of people coming from France himself. Um, so yeah, I think it's it's essentially building the team in the way that uh, that an NFL general manager might do it. Very interesting. Well, thank you. Yeah. All right, let's move on to some news, views, and abuse. Josh, I think you got some stuff for us, my friend. Yeah, um, the 2019 MLR season looks to start in January, run through May, Juneish. Um, I think they'll be taking a break uh, for the ARC. Um, I'm not positive on that, and they're gonna. With the, the, with the switch to the July, the June internationals are now becoming the July internationals with the advent of the global rugby calendar. Um, MLR is looking to finish their season before those start. Um, I know a lot of people, next topic, a lot of people were wondering if there was going to be another California team. There is. Might not be as far north as some of you may like. Um, LA Coast Rugby is putting out um, an announcement either this week or next week. Maybe, I guess that can be considered the NorCal team for now, even though L.A. is still considered SoCal. L.A. is um, pretty freaking SoCal. Yeah, I know. I think <laughs> it's it's, far, yeah, it's farther north than San Diego is. I, I, I used to live in L.A. for a little bit, and they considered NorCal to be like an entirely different country. <laughs> it, it almost is. Yeah. Um, Jefferson. And then, yeah, Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, – Ontario, Ontario seems to be inching closer and closer towards joining in 2019 as well. So do you think it's likely that we're going to see, be seeing 12 teams competing um, as opposed to the 10, which has no. been the conservative estimate? Nah. No. Nah, 2020. It'll, it'll, 2020, maybe. I think, it'll, I think Aaron put out uh, his estimate was 10 next year, 12 the following year, take a break, then 14, take another break, year or two and then the breaks are like a year or two and then 16 by 2023 2024 maybe well because well because uh i'm just thinking we have dallas and rooney uh, uh apparently confirmed for 2019 now dallas we have technically L- hasn't been confirmed i i i so yeah i thought they had been more or less it, confirmed it's been it's been speculated especially by tv announcers but mlr hasn't said anything um, the only ones that have gotten the official stamp of approval, as far as I am aware, Aaron may be more aware, is Rooney, DC is either this year or next year. And then um, the LA Coast Rugby apparently had the MLR logo included in their stuff. So mm-hmm. they might they may be getting the stamp of approval as well. Yeah, and this is, uh, for everybody's information, the LA Coast stuff is coming off of a Facebook page that they created and literally just a graphic that says it's happening um, with their logo next to the MLR logo. Um, and so I'm not I'm not discounting it. We're treating it as if uh, it's fact at this point because it lines up with the stuff that we've been hearing. It lines up with the LLC filing that was uh, com- 
completed in the state. Um, but, you know, until we hear something official from both the team and the league, of course, you know, anything's possible. I look back at uh, even just a few months before season one started, you know, we were still hearing rumors about, uh, you know, um, St. Louis, Minneapolis, before they everybody from Minneapolis decided to go to San Diego, you know, so it, anything could happen and anything can change at any point here. So I think we just need to sit back and watch. And I mean, we're still we've got the championship this weekend. I understand folks want to capitalize and promote their teams in light of while the action's going on. But we're going to we're going to know a lot more in two months than we do right now today about what next season is going to look like. So I think that's kind of where we're at. So uh, but it does look like L.A. Coast is a real thing. And it sounds like Ontario Arrows, at least uh, according to a friend of the show, Brian Ray, sounds like that's happening as well. So I guess we're just going to see how it shakes out, fellas. Um, still waiting for Chicago myself. I haven't heard anything recently on them either. So. Yeah, I thought the Chicago Griffins were supposed to be a thing because you know they they've been said they've said on their Facebook uh, you know as recently as a couple of months ago that they were taking they they were uh, stepping back from a few tournaments that they uh, that they regularly attend to focus more on uh, professional endeavors you know whatever that means which I assume to mean MLR. It's interesting that you've heard the Griffins because I was hearing the Lions the whole time, so that's interesting. Chicago Lions, yeah, no that. I think that's what I heard as opposed to Griffins. All right. So with that in mind, uh, I think we're yeah. getting getting time for questions. Yeah. Question from Bob. We're good with that? Questions from Bob. Bab. We'll start with Bob. Up in Iowa. That's where that's that that's where animals come from. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Noah's Ark landed in Iowa, didn't you know? Yeah. 6,000 years ago. <laughs> I think it was like 2,000 years ago. The Earth's only like 5,000 years old. So, <laughs> You know what? Last time we were talking about this topic. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so let's just move on down the road. Uh, moving on. Okay. Uh, so questions from Bob. Bob wants to know, uh, what should each team focus on during the short offseason this year? Do not drop damn balls in the line out. And have good scrums. That's all I want from you. Do not drop the ball so many damn times. Ball control. That's all I want from all of you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I, I feel like you can take that question two different ways. Is what do they focus on in terms of on what do they focus focus on in terms of in the front office? You know, so in, in terms of the front office, I want to I want them to focus on upping player salaries just so that these players don't have to focus as much about working and they can focus more on training. Because as we said before the broadcast started, that's been a real problem for people down in San Diego, especially uh, the players have a hard time kind of keeping up with finances and along with training. Uh, but then on the field, yeah, fucking ball control lineouts. I, 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 I'm so sick of sloppy play and play having to stop. It's like football. And t- teams will have to figure out what to do with the players they lose. I know Glendale's losing a couple. Um, they'll also have to figure out depth, especially um, when Eagles call, when Eagles call ups happen. I know um, mm-hmm. Glendale definitely needs another fly half. Sorry, Max, I love you, but I think you're more. I think you're better suited as a fullback. Um, I know Glendale also loses uh, Bryce Campbell and Ben Landry to the championship in England, 
but and I'm not sure what other teams are losing players, but you just have to figure out depth. I know Glendale has depth, but they don't have. I don't think they have as much as people well, think. They, do. they have an academy system, so you know. Well, while they met, while they might not have a ton of depth on paper uh, right now for us to view, I think they they don't have a lot of diamonds in the display case, but they have the mines to themselves. So yeah, that's I true. think they're good. Or yeah, I guess that that's one other thing. Um, the academy systems. I know yeah. Glendale is the model that everyone wants to work off of. Um, Houston is working on it. They're farther along than any other teams. Austin kind of has one. They played a couple of U23s. Um, Seattle might be using Atavis as their academy. Um, Aaron is using uh, New Orleans Rugby Football Club as theirs. Um, and the uh, Houston Rugby uh, Houston yeah, Lions or something like that is working with the Sabercats. Yeah. yeah, and then um, no idea on San Diego and Houston. So get those academies up and running, boys. Mm-hmm. Well, no, Houston does have an academy that's up and running. Uh, coach uh, coach slash player Matt Trueville is the head of that academy system, and he's working tirelessly every single day. You know, I've spoken to both him and Coach Fitz about it. And, uh, yeah, no, that, that that's coming, coming along pretty well. And I think, uh, you know, they're, they're – I think uh, Houston's going to be coming up with a U23 team pretty soon, and I think that's where you're going to see players like Kieran and Farmer especially start to get the uh, minutes that they so desperately need. Yeah. Excellent, excellent. No, that uh, all sounds like good ideas, especially do like the academy, uh, just such being such a vital part of the development of the game nationally. So, all right. Killer Karma, Karma Killer 95. Sorry, I'm being a little dyslexic there. Karma <laughs> Killer 95 wants to know, if the Ontario Arrows enter the league in 2019, what are the chances Seattle loses their Canadian players and coach? So I, I, I want to go ahead and take a run at this one first because we've heard this before, and I don't know. I think I, I two think opposite maybe, sides of the country. Yeah, it maybe just be, may just be a misunderstanding because most well for starters, most of the C, the Seattle folks that are Canadian nationals are from. Uh, Western part of the country, yeah. and so you know, and stuff like that. yeah. So saying that you know, a Eastern city is suddenly going to gobble everybody up. I mean, it's not like they're going home. You know, they're traveling more than halfway across their own country. So I don't think it's as big of a deal as folks maybe want to think it is. Um, plus, I mean, they've got a good thing going in Seattle. They're they're building something that's very special. They're the number two team in the league right now. They're up for the championship. Why would they want to give that up to go play for a new upstart team? This isn't the NBA because I think once you grow an attachment and a bond with, you know, fellow rugby players, it's kind of hard just to up and leave a club. You know, you have you have players all the time, um, you know, over in Europe who go back to their smaller, you know, you know, smaller professional league teams to finish out their careers because they have that you know, kind of sentimental bond with it. So, yeah, I, I don't see a whole lot of people just up and leaving Seattle, especially after what they've been able to accomplish this year. Yeah, I mean, on, Ontario has their own setup, basically. I mean, if they have – let's just say the new se- they started the new season immediately after next week and Ontario was included, I think they'd be fine. They, they played a couple MLR teams in scrimmages. They played New York. They played Boston. Um, they even have – they even started their own under twenty three setup already, which is funny because they haven't as an MLR team yet. So you, mm-hmm. they want to grow the, the game in Canada, I think. As far as I know, 
as far as I'm aware, we're just waiting on approval from Rugby Canada. Exactly right. And another thing too, guys, if if this team from Canada was to open up in British Columbia, up in Vancouver, around the surrounding area, then you would assume some of the players that are in Seattle probably would go back home. Uh, Plus, uh, from Seattle to Vancouver, it's not really that far away anyway. So that makes sense. Uh, The arrows, uh, the team will mostly be for those uh, players located already in the province of Ontario or in the eastern coast part of the country. So you have people from New Brunswick or Nova Scotia, up in Newfoundland, God forbid, Quebec. Hey, man, I, I live right below those people. They're fucking weird. All right, I don't – I will yeah. not be playing with any Quebecois. Dude, seriously, like, I, I don't – Pas mal. I don't <laughs> know. There's some people I really don't like messing with, dude, French Canadians. Definitely not. Todos um, mierda. <laughs> you said it, not me. And also, it's not, it's not mierda, it's merda. In French. Merde. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah but... Merde. But... Pero estoy hablando español. Eso, exacto. No francés. So, so that's, another thing. that's another thing too, guys. I really would like, just off a tangent, I definitely would like to see a team up in Quebec, in Montreal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely a team of French Canadians. That would be cool to see because in women's rugby... There's a bunch of ladies in the Canadian team that came from that come from Quebec, but from the, in the men's side, in the men's side, I don't know what happened. Like seriously, let's get more, let's get more French Canadians in rugby. Let's get a Boston team before we get a fucking Quebec team. All right, oh, I just want to say course, that. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. Well, hey, and I'll, I'll we, just... we, already, we already have an Irish. We're good. <laughs> well, and I'll just reiterate that I think uh, the greatest value in having a a team in Canada is just bringing Canada into MLR. And so that's going to free up a lot of international spots because you're not suddenly not going to be burning them on Canadians. They're just going to be regu- considered regular players. Uh, we assume mm-hmm. uh, that's huge. That's huge for the league because that's a huge talent pool that suddenly we can once again, tap into. So uh, very, very valuable. But I just don't think we're going to see a mass exodus um, north and east uh, if Ontario comes in before Vancouver. Although we need to be careful because Donald Trump might be slapping some tariffs on Canadian rugby players after the steal and all that. Yeah. Yeah. Are they included in NAFTA? Does rugby talent uh, (laughs) is that part of the free trade agreement? I don't know. Honestly, I I don't think. I, actually, I don't even want to get into the realm of politics, and we're we're gonna get in some dangerous territory here. We're not we're not gonna get into Mexican players anytime soon. So <laughs> I know, right? I mean, as as as, as sad as I am, damn dude, I want some Mexicans in MLR sometime soon. Seriously, I mean, Mexico has a has a rugby team, if I'm correct, I, right? I I know they do. Probably two or three. Hey, oh, exactly. exactly. You'll just have to settle for Argentinians right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and Hawaiians, I forgot about those. And and whenever they want to leave the Nam country, but dude, I want what, Mexican guys what, to go up. What, what about your What about your people from your uh, from Tupaise? What about the Dominicans? Where are they all at playing rugby? Well, um, well, most of us are the the ones that are here in the states and the, here in the East Coast. Um, you got a couple of Dominican American guys that I'm sure would definitely love to play in MLR. And I, I actually got a, a couple of the guys from the. The Dominican team that have hit me up with ideas of coming to the, to New York City for uh, the Rooney practice thing coming up, um, but um, we'll see. 
really depends on them. All right. Next question is coming from Greetings ADM. And Greetings wants to know, seeing as the two favorites are in the championship game, that's Seattle and uh, Glendale, which of these teams is the Yankees and which is the Patriots? I mean, if, if, we're, if we're going off teams, probably Glendale. Yeah. Um, if we're going off, if we're going off fans, Seattle. Mm-hmm. So, w- what does that mean? Because to me, that that means different things. Is who's the Patriots and who's and who's the Yankees? To me, those are the same thing in, in two different sports. Well, you know, one one is just the the most pristine winning culture of any sport ever, and the other is just grimy guys wearing gray with no beards and from New York. Blah. Is Dan oh, watching this? I, 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 th- I, I, I thought you were talking about pay- the Patriots for a moment. <laughs> I just said that. No. Nah, nah. Winning culture, it's Glendale, just because they technically have been around for 10 years, and most of these teams are virtual pop-ups. Um, uh, if, if, you had to, if you had to have a team to compare to for Seattle, I'd Bill's say Vic, Mafia. Vic, I'd say the Vegas Golden Knights. Wow. No, definitely. I, I wouldn't compare them to Vegas Golden Knights at all. I think Vegas actually has like an identity, especially considering the tragedy that happened there. Um, you mm-hmm. know, like with the shooting, they were actually playing for something. Whereas, you know, I, I think, you know, Seattle, their identity was just being loud and disrespectful to the kicker, and I think that kind of is a great parallel to the, uh, you know, to Buffalo Bills or to Baltimore Ravens fans. You know, they're just loud and stupid for the sake of being it. Or 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 Dallas Cowboys fans. I I I can't I can't uh, disrespect Cowboys fans too much. I got a couple friends who uh, who root for the for, who root for the silver and blue. But see, see, my issue is I can't I can't disrespect them, but I can I can't because uh, one of the uh, receivers who uh, I went to who went to the same college I did is now with the Cowboys. But I also grew up a Redskins fan, so. There, Redskins yeah. fans exist. Yes, I, I've honestly never met anybody who's like I'm a Redskins fan. It's like cool. Like I like it's like being like I'm like oh water's my favorite drink. It's just like cool. <laughs> well, I, I mean, if if you ask me what teams I root for, I'll tell you I root for the Redskins or the Broncos. But I mean, I won't. I don't go around saying it. Yeah, <laughs> especially with the Redskins because they would like to be called Native Americans. But that's besides the point. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, last question of the night comes from Munster CR37. Wonder what kind of fellow that is. Now, this is actually one that I've had bouncing around in my head for a bit. So I'm going to go ahead and ask you guys here. Do you think MLR could become an appealing launching off point for internationals starting out their career before going to a top tier competition? I mean, I, I think it could. I mean, look at Pro did it. For I think one or two players, I mean Dom Waldock went. I mean he kind of mm-hmm. he he had a shot in um, I forget what league, came over to play for Ohio and then got another shot. I think he's done well. I haven't really kept up, um, but I think it honestly can be. I don't think it it could be. I honestly think it could be a mix of that and it could be a mix of the MLS retirement league. Um, I know we have Ben Foden is coming for Rooney next year. Um, it, I honestly think it will be a mix of both. I think it'll be a mix of kick on kicking off points, which, in all honesty, for the first couple of years, that might not be that bad. 
I agree as well with Josh. Um, definitely great example with um, uh, Dominic Wondok uh, 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 when he left. Uh, I believe he was playing for Wasp, by the one I say. And then he played for the Ohio Aviators and from there ended up uh, with uh, the Newcastle Falcons. And the Falcons, for whatever reason, ended up going to Oxford University and played for that team. So, hey, And I believe he's still there, too, so good for him. Um, but, yeah, quite a, quite a number of guys actually came. Um, you also had, um, and I'm surprised if you guys know him, um, Robbie Shaw, uh, who used to play for the U.S. team. Uh, he, I believe, was playing in England, came to the States, and then after that went back to England. And I believe he's playing now with um, – not Richmond because that's running McLean. I forgot he's playing in the championship team, but um, but yeah, he also sort of launched a little higher by playing in, in, in PRO. And of course, I mean, same thing's gonna be in Major League Rugby again. You already have Campbell and Landry. I mean, they didn't really start it there technically, but they were able to show off their skills and hey, that they got good payments right there with both uh, London Irish and um. And Ealing, respectively. So that's cool. What do you guys think the chances that Sonny Bill Williams would ever come to the U.S. to finish his career? Hi, if, if the money's there. I'm pretty sure. So, so, so you, do you think it would have to be kind of like the L.A. Galaxy offering David Beckham a boatload of cash to come over and play for that one season? There you go, pretty much. Once they put that, that player cap rule thing that they have – yeah, there should be. Who who would be that team? Do you think to shell out the cash? Do you think do you think it would be like the L.A. Coastal Rugby, or do you think Houston? Houston yeah, Seattle. definitely. I think those are the two deepest teams in the league financially. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Yeah, those those definitely those two. But yeah, but I mean the the thing is, um, rugby is is it's not one of those sports where you have this one particular top notch player that everyone goes gaga for. I mean, they, of course, there are players like that, but not in the same level as uh, association football or soccer. I know, it's um, not a superstar sport, really. Yeah, that's exactly it, because, I mean, it's a team sport rather than a team sport that puts emphasis on individuals. And if you don't believe me, just look uh, what happens whenever Cristiano Ronaldo plays, that son of a bitch. Um, but um, unless we talk about that, faster the better. I don't like to <laughs> <laughs> or Neymar, <laughs> thank you. I don't like Portuguese-speaking people. Let's just put it that way. Oh, I just wow. Probably because I'm a Spanish speaker. I just wow. So I don't you, like you've successfully uh, thrown shade at both the French speakers and the uh, Portuguese speakers <laughs> Yo, tonight, dude. You're gonna see, you're gonna you're gonna see Paul uh, hitting hitting up uh, Brian. Say, Brian, tell Victor that him and I have a problem now. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> no. yo, yo, I'm kidding. By the way, Paul. Tu boca tiene calor ahora. <laughs> Mucho. <laughs> no, hey, Paul, if you ever listen to this, um, you're a New Zealander, but I know you've been living in Brazil for years. It's okay, bro. I still love you, even if you live mm-hmm. down in that place. Um, but it's cool, no problem. No, no, no. But again, it's, it's just a Portuguese. Brazilians are alright, but it's Portuguese. A bunch of know it all, apparently. All right, so let's uh, go ahead and uh, wrap up the mild racism portion of the show. And uh... (laughs) yeah, (laughs) wow! I make one Trump comment, and next thing you know, (laughs) by the way, I want to say this: not racism, this prejudice. They're very different things. Mm. Actually, no, because I'm brown. Very, very different things. Very fair. 
Uh, I'll, let, I'll let you speak to that one because I just yeah. Very different. You have Victor. Perspective. You're, the, you're the only one that can speak to that. So. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there, there definitely is for you this. Somos muy blanco. <laughs> no, no, well, no joke, but that's just a point. No, no, tú eres muy moreno, pero somos blanco. <laughs> Eso. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Exacto. Um, any final thoughts, by the way? Yeah, with that, let's uh, go ahead and shift on to the end of the show. Uh, yeah, I've got one final thought. Um, we didn't get a chance to really respond to much, but Shane, thank you so much for listening. I see you over in the comment section of YouTube. Hi, right, Shane! Yeah, it's great to have you, have you in the comments. So thanks for being there, and uh, hit us up on Twitter if you want to keep talking. We're, we're a lot more active there uh, than when I'm co-hosting... Uh, and can't get to the comment section. So thanks for listening, man. We appreciate it. That's my final thought. Anybody else got anything else going on? Well, guys, um, it's looking to be a great um, final game for Major League Rugby. Um, I assume next week, not only are we going to talk about the, the match and how things went, but I assume we're also going to have a, a review of the, of the season. Right, Corey? I assume? I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing ideas. I don't know if... if Sounds like a great idea. Let's do that. Okay. I mean, you know, like a short, you know, like a short review about things that we like and didn't like of the 2018 Major League Rugby season. So, yeah. yeah. Something to talk about next week. Because, I mean, I assume next week's episode is going to be short because we only have one match to talk about. <laughs> well, You'd yeah, think we'll, that, wouldn't you? Well, mm-hmm. we'll have plenty of analysis, no doubt. Uh, so... Yeah, well, yeah, we definitely have that to look forward to. So Saturday can't come quick enough. Okay, Victor, so take us home, mm-hmm. my friend. Yes, I think we're done. We're good. Well, guys, and with that, we have come to the end of episode forty-three of the Major League Rugby podcast. Thank you for joining us, especially those uh, like Shay Rayner that did so. Uh, thanks again, Shane. We appreciate you being with us live. Through YouTube, specifically at Earful of Dirt podcast, which is the name of our channel. Make sure to subscribe and keep up with our live shows that happen every Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. Also, make sure to follow us on our social media accounts uh, on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter. All of them at Earful of Dirt. Earful with one L, not two, because someone got confused a couple of days ago asking me about that. Only one L. And, of course, make sure to look for our audio uh, podcast, if, you don't, if you're not watching the video right now, uh, on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Player FM, Acast, uh, hopefully one of these days in iBooks, <coughs> Corey, uh, and also, in, <laughs> also, of course, in SoundCloud. That's where, uh, that's where we are right now. Uh, by the way, guys, um, hopefully things are going to go well with SoundCloud. Apparently, Germans have been having problems that they've been losing money. So if something happens and SoundCloud dies, no worries. We're going to find another server, okay? We should be good. Just let you listen. And finally, guys, make sure to call us at our voicemail. Excuse me. Call us our phone number so you can drop us a, bo- a message on our voicemail. Excuse me. The number is one seven two zero six hundred two six seven nine. And with that, we'll see you guys next week again for to talk about the last uh, game of Major League Rugby. So once again, guys, Victor is my name. Again, that was Corey, Josh, and Liam. Hopefully, Aaron will be back next week. 
again, people have been asking me about, wait, where's Daniel Brown? He, he he's, again, busy man. Hopefully, we'll see him before the end of the season. But it really all depends on him. He's been really busy. He, he, he's a Mets fan. He has to disappear for these last couple of months. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, the Mets have been doing horribly. The bottom of the table right now. We're not yeah. talk much about that. So, seriously. <laughs> Awesome. Well, guys, we'll see you next week. Have a great night. Buenas noches. Connect with Earful of Dirt anytime. We're on Facebook and Twitter as Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. Until next time, for Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for joining us.